Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a combination of old school wisdom and newbie tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, and today we're going to be talking about what I call the battleground of the mind. You do not tear yourself from place to place and unsettle yourself with one move after another. Restlessness of that sort is symptomatic of a sick mind. Nothing to my way of thinking is a better proof of a well-ordered mind than a man's ability to stop just where he is and pass some time in his own company. This was written by the philosopher Seneca in a letter to his friend Lucilius. Once upon a time, there was a ruler of a faraway kingdom. This kingdom was big and it was vast, and it covered many realms. One day, this ruler had a woman he saw that made him say, Damn, damn, I need to get me a piece of that. Mm-mm-mm. So being the king of the kingdom, he had his servants get her and bring her to him. He commanded her to have sex with them. So they did their thing and the ruler was satisfied. The problem is she got pregnant and this woman was also married. So this woman wasn't his wife. So this ruler being the king and the head honcho, he commanded her husband, this woman's husband, to go and sleep with his wife because that's his wife. He says, you know, he's your wife, she's your wife, go and sleep with her. This would make it seem like the woman was impregnated by her husband. So when the child was born, it would look like it was theirs because naturally, if a child is born, it's got to be the woman and the husband's child, right? The other problem was the kingdom was fighting a war and the husband was all fighting and he refused to abandon his post. So he wasn't coming back home just to get laid. And he said, you know, I'm going to fight for the kingdom. This is my kingdom. I put my life on the line and I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight for the good of the kingdom. I'm going to be a good subject and I'm going to fight for my kingdom and our freedom. Okay, plan B, since that didn't work. This ruler, this king, stationed the husband on the front lines. And he gave the order for the army to retreat when the enemy advanced, except that the husband wasn't in on this order, so when the army retreated and the other army advanced, this guy was mauled by the enemy, and of course he was killed. The ruler then married the wife, so the son wouldn't be an illegitimate child, but you would think he would get away with it, but a prophet came to him and told him that for his actions of adultery and... Um, being tempted, and pretty much killing another man because he wanted to sleep with this woman. The child wouldn't make it, so the child would die shortly after the birth. So this ruler fasted. 
he prayed, he did everything in the book, but the child still died. And this ruler was very sad and he was obviously very distraught. This story, if you're familiar with it, is the story of King David and the woman in question is obviously Bathsheba. So if you know about that story, King David and Bathsheba, you know that they are the parents, the eventual parents to King Solomon, who was known as being one of the wisest kings. And the kingdom in question was the nation of Israel. So, quote unquote, God's chosen people, right? But obviously, the rulers, despite despite being favored by God, they were not blessed with, uh, they were not immune to the fixations of the ego and the mind. Gentlemen, I want to speak very briefly, somewhat briefly, on something that I think every person should understand and even come to terms with. I've talked about this before, but I'll open up, open up a bit more. And again, like I said, that subject is the mind. More importantly, this is about how easy it is to fall into degrees of mental delusion and mental warping, doing things out of faulty perception, mainly fighting a war against your own mind. Simply put, you being the biggest obstacle in your own life. This may come to a shock to some some of you guys, and when you examine it at a deeper level, you find that it's true. You see mind, a consciousness that's not properly trained, cannot be solely trusted to achieve beneficial results. What do I mean by this? Well, if you remember on the episode of on productivity, I touched on this concept called mental arousal, basically sense impressions that influence perception. These sense impressions come at all times and they come in all forms. You ever hear the expression seeing red? That's when you get angry and your thoughts torn towards one of violence and harm against whoever or whatever or whoever or whatever made you mad. When you get scared, you start seeing the world as through a very myopic lens and then you start to see the world as a dark place. You see it as a deadly place. You see it as a very cold and unforgiving place and you easily get very paranoid. When you get told that your industry is downsizing, you start to pull up Indeed.com or you start to search for other jobs. You're like, oh shit, my job, it's going to get taken away. And again, that's another version of fear. So you start looking around for different jobs. When you get hungry, things that aren't ordinarily appetizing seem like they're the best thing since sliced bread. They seem like they're the most delicious, most appetizing thing. That piece of broccoli or that piece of Brussels sprouts that you wouldn't eat after you've been fasting for God knows how long, those become seemingly the most important things in the world. And obviously when you see that bag of chips after a heavy workout or if you're on a diet, it looks like a pot of gold to you. So all these sensory impressions are things that tilt the mind in a certain way to take a certain action. 
Now, there's nothing wrong inherently with these things because these sensory impressions, you can call them emotions even. These things keep you alive. If you never felt angry, you would never stand up for yourself. And if you never felt hungry, you would quickly die. I quoted Seneca earlier, and he had a problem with anger. He even wrote a work called De Ira, which means on anger. And that was something I could relate to. Uh, obviously, given my past of flipping out at moments where I shouldn't have flipped out because I was angry and seeing the world in a certain way because I was angry and I was fixated on vengeance. So going back to Seneca, why did he write this? He wrote it because he realized how dangerous the effect that anger is and what it has on a person's perception of reality. If you extrapolate this further, you start to see how emotions sense perceptions, how they can warp your judgment of reality. In that story of David, David didn't have to commit adultery. He didn't have to kill another person's husband. But because he was sexually aroused, and because he said, I have to have her, I have to have her. I have to, I'll do anything to have her. That warped his judgment and his perception of reality. And he up, ended up taking a roundabout and unnecessary action to do this. And he ended up, ended up paying the price as a result. Throughout thousands of years of human civilization, many different cultures have come up with ways to try and orient the mind to perceive reality with as little warped perception as possible. And all these cultures have realized the danger that warped perception has on objectives. If you're familiar with military history and you know about this thing called the fog of war, generals describe the fog of war as something that happens during war. And if you read different military biographies or if you read different things on war, they'll talk about the confusion that happens during the battle. They'll talk about the mental arousal. They'll talk about the fear, the anxiety, the panic, the anger, the bloodlust, the mix of emotions, that cocktail, the Molotov cocktail of emotions that happens during war when you're engaged in close quarter combat and you're thinking just about survival and you're seeing the other person's face close up, you're seeing him grit, you're seeing him sweat, you're hearing him grunt, you're trying to fight for your life, you're trying to take his life and reality just blurs into the background and all you're focused in is on that moment, on that moment of survival. Your sense perception becomes altered during times of war because you're just focused on getting from point A to point B as fast as possible. But you don't know that the confusion of war, the fog of war, clouds your perception and it makes it very dangerous to operate in. That's why during war there will be some times of friendly fire because it's easy to just pull the trigger and then... You kill somebody who was coming up over the hill, who was running towards you, 
but you didn't know that was a uh, friendly that friendly person was running away from enemies because they were on a scouting mission and you just saw someone running up over the hill and then you're like oh shit it's it's an enemy i better kill him so you kill him and that was a friendly so the fog of war the perception of reality was warped during that time and military commanders have talked about that the indians the meditation teachers have talked about maya the illusion of reality the illusion that reality is the only construct and that also clouds your perception the maya getting lost in this maya getting lost in this sense perception getting lost in the pain of life getting lost in the arousal of life getting lost in the feelings you're being too emotional you're letting your emotions dictate the pace of the pace of your life instead of actually having a clear cut straight line approach you let the emotions get in your way all of these traditions which are these two are just a few all of them they have come to the realization that there's no one to blame but you but yourself you take responsibility everything you do is pretty much at your feet for example let's say you were driving you're driving out of your neighborhood or you're driving out of a friend's neighborhood and you're turning out the street to make a left you're looking to the left to see if any cars are coming you have a clear view to the right and you don't see any cars coming so you're looking to the left a bush blocks your view to the left, so you don't see all of the street. You see about 60% of it. The other 40% is something you have to make a judgment on. The street looks clear from where you're sitting. So naturally, you move across the street, and a car comes flying down the street. You try and speed up, but obviously the car didn't see you either. It hits you, and you get into an accident. Whose fault is it? Well, the insurance company would say that you're at fault, even though you didn't see the car coming. Why is it your fault? It's because you decide to step on the accelerator. You decide to move across the street because according to your senses, the coast was clear. You saw a small part of the picture, but you didn't see the whole picture. That's a smaller metaphor for the mind when you don't grasp situations fully and you don't see what they are and what could happen. I plan on talking about this in a later episode in the season in an episode on social psychology, and another one on thinking errors. But I think getting a good grasp on where you are in life is how you use self-responsibility to your advantage and clear this fog of the mind and clear this delusion of reality, what happens when you don't have an accurate sense of reality. And you have to do this. This is essential. This is how you use things like negative motivation that I've already talked about, how you become self-disciplined and how you create good habits. This is how you use your mind to your advantage in life. To close off, let me end with two stories about this. I knew someone who smoked cigarettes and he started smoking because it was cool. It was fun. It was enjoyable at that time. And he knew that smoking cigarettes is bad. He knew that it wouldn't lead him anywhere. 
But he said, no problem, man. I can quit anytime I want to. It's no big deal. I can just put it down anytime I want to. I'm good for it. But he never, ever quit. I knew another person who moved out to Hollywood and said, oh, I'll be successful. I can't help but be successful. It's inevitable for me. Yet he found himself back home living with his parents. And you can multiply this on a grand scale. If you think about it, and if you look around, you'll see that there's millions of people who continue to smoke cigarettes, and they've tried to quit. And there's millions of people who've gone to California mining for gold, only to end up back home. These people are living in a delusional fantasy land. The first person believed he was somehow immune to the inherently addictive nature of cigarettes because he had an uncommon degree of willpower, and the second person believed he was destined to quote-unquote make it because he was of a different breed. They believed, oh, it won't happen to me, man. I'm too good. Of course, it happens to them. Of course, it doesn't happen all at once. It's always slowly. And by the time they want to change course, it's too late. And that's what happens when mental illusion, that mental warping seeps in. You don't see reality for what it really is. You don't see your life situation for what it really is. When you see your life for what it really is, that means you can operate within the laws of nature and have them work for you rather than against you. Going back to the example of cigarettes, if the person I knew said, you know what, man, (sighs) the cigarette thing has a deeper grip on me than I realized. I need some help. Then you would have gotten support and help a long time ago. If this other person I knew got to Hollywood and worked hard, took acting classes, intelligently networked, and not partied constantly, they'd probably be in some type of C-list films by now. Or hell, they might even be a leading actor. So I want you to ask yourself, Are you really that talented that you have an uncommon degree of willpower and natural talent? Can you get by on your raw skills alone? Or do you need help to refine those skills? Should you really do something when you're in a heightened emotional state? Should you wait to cool down a bit before you do something else? Something something probably incredibly stupid? Is your industry really contracting? If so, are you the first one to get laid off? Or are you just watching too much news? Or are you just listening to too much hype? Or are you listening to too much hysteria? Are you actually spending your time wisely? Or are you just saying you're spending it wisely when you're just scrolling social media, looking at funny memes, unnecessary news, and other things you shouldn't be looking at? Are you really actually looking at self-development topics and self-development articles and resources or are you just mentally masturbating thinking that the next book the next article the next course is going to fix me instead of looking at the deeper issues and doing the shadow work on the other side to yourself all these are really important questions and these aren't questions you can really answer in a day. But these are questions to really ponder over and these are questions to really think about, especially when it comes to your life situation. When it comes to your life situation, you have to really be honest with yourself. And sometimes you might want to need to get some outside 
guidance. You need other people to give you an objective look at who you really are because it's easy to fool yourself. It's very hard to fool other people for this situation. And even the reverse is true. Sometimes it's easy to fool other people, but it's harder to fool yourself. You know who you are deep down. And that's the paradox of the mind and achievement that you can simultaneously fool yourself and fool others as well. So you never really get a true grasp on who you are. This is what happens when you get surrounded by yes men and people who just gas you up all the time instead of actually people actually give it to you raw and straight because they create more of this mental delusion, right? And you need an objective, clear mind to answer these questions in your life. There are no real action steps for this one. This is just more of a something to ponder over and something to think about. And I think the path to resolution for all these is different for each one of us because of our own specific life situation and life circumstances. But this is definitely going to be setting up the next couple of episodes that come through. And keep this in the back of your mind as you listen to those because that will definitely provide some context to what I'm going to be talking about. All right. That's it for this one. And until next time, take care. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. It doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good. Take care of yourself. Take care of other people. And peace.